pull my ears off. Okay. Lord, just thank you that we have the freedom to come into your presence. Whether it's at home, whether it's gathered together here, Lord, we are a blessed people. And Lord, my prayer this morning is that as I share what I feel you've put on my heart, that it would land and resonate with those who hear it. That, Lord, you would take the words that I speak and um, they would be your words, Lord. Just open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay. So, um, as you know, Mike is away. He is down in Austin packing up the remains of his house, what's not staying behind, loading it all into a U-Haul, and, and he and Carol are then traveling back to sit in their house for two weeks, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, he asked if I would be willing to, to share the message today, and I was felt the Lord gave me something to say there. So over the last few weeks, um, Mike has, been, has started a series of growing, attributes of growth that each one of us would want to see as we grow deeper into a likeness of the Lord and, um, and as we seek to disciple and mentor and encourage one another, what are some of the qualities that we want to not only see, grow in ourselves but encourage and support others to grow into as well. Um, and so, so far, the first week Mike covered um, growing in self-awareness, increasing our knowledge and understanding of ourselves, how we show up, how we interact or not, and recognizing the impact that that has on those around us. Then two weeks ago, he spoke of growing in humility, learning to honor and prefer those around us rather than seeking to always promote ourselves and our desires first. But also recognizing that false humility and diminishing ourselves does not honor God as our creator or Jesus in all that he's done for us. I've heard one speaker define humility as not thinking of ourselves less. I'm a dirty, rotten, no good sinner. That's not humility. But it's actually thinking it's not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. So I'm more other-centered. So then this week's topic is growing in gratitude. And I believe that gratitude is a vital area for us to understand and grow in, for God to be able to pour out all that he desires into us and through us, into our community. But before I start talking some more about gratitude, um, there's another area that I want to speak on a bit. Um, because I think it is a, it's an important underpinning of any area of growth, whether it's self-awareness, humility, gratitude, whatever quality that we're wanting to grow. I believe some of this is really important. And so the story we heard in the Old Test- from the Old Testament, the story of Elisha, being approached by the Shumanite widow. Do any of you have any ideas what, what this story is about? What comes out to you from that story? Any thoughts? 
We're a small group. They'll give a share. God has an answer. God's a provider. So this widow, she was feeling destitute and desperate following the death of her husband, who had been a faithful prophet. She came to Elisha seeking help, believing that what she had was insufficient for the situation she faced. Big debt. Her sons were going to be taken. What Elisha had to do was first to recognize and acknowledge what she did have, a small jar of oil. Then he had her reach out to her community, drawing on others to help her in her time of need, to gather as many empty jars as possible. Then shut the door behind you. Shut the door on the doubters, on the questioners, on the seekers, the cynics, on the looky-loos, who may dampen or drain your faith. And then she was instructed to offer up and pour out the little she had to then see the miraculous provision of God beyond anything she could imagine. To me, this story illustrates sorry, some truths for us to grasp if we sincerely want to grow more like Jesus. I don't know if it's just me. But as I'm encouraged and challenged to grow more like Jesus, growing in awareness of my strengths and my weaknesses, my patterns, growing in other-centeredness, growing in compassion and caring, it can sometimes sound just like a lot of hard work, like really hard work. And I can feel like the widow, that I don't have enough, that what I've got just isn't good enough. But what the story shows that certainly while we have a part to play, God doesn't expect us to come up with the increase. Did you get that? He doesn't expect us to come up with the increase. God is a good father. He has good gifts for his children. And in Jesus, he has made available to us all the riches of heaven, our glorious inheritance in Christ. Ephesians 1. In John 16:23, Jesus tells the disciples, Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. We have a good Father and we are dearly loved children. He has made available to us everything we need. So what's the issue? Why do we feel so lacking sometimes? stuck in repeating patterns same old again and again living short of the abundant life that he's promised I think that while this story shows that the increase comes from God it also shows that we have things to do and adjustments to make in any business or organization there's an amount of increase and growth that will occur by working hard and being diligent The profits will increase, the company will grow. And so it is with us as individuals and as a church. But there comes a point where further growth cannot occur without an increase in capacity. In our ability to hold or contain more. Let me illustrate this because you know I love a visual aid. 
especially ones involving water. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, sir. So, here I have my cup measure, and I can fill it. And it measures a cup. And I can keep pouring. And I can keep pouring. And I can keep pouring. How much does it measure? A cup. This is also a cup measure. And it can hold a cup. Actually, that's more than a cup. But it can hold a lot more. And I can keep on filling it because its capacity is greater, even though it also is a cup measure. But even with that, it'll eventually come to its limit. And so, what limits how much it holds? It's size. What limits what you, what you can hold? What are the things that limit us, our capacity? So to position ourselves to grow in God, we look to increase our capacity to hold what he wants to pour out to us. So we need to consider what is limiting us and be willing to maybe let go of some things to make room for more or to gather more. So what are some of the things that limit our capacity? One of the main things that I believe can significantly limit our capacity and that I want to focus on are our mindsets, how we perceive things and what we believe. As Mike and taught and illustrated for us many times over the last year, our experience will directly impact our actions and therefore our present and future experience. But this isn't just outwardly that our beliefs affect us. It affects our very physiology. Interesting, last week at work, we had a, a team meeting and they showed a video clip of a TED talk at it. And Jean, if you can try and pull it up, there's just one small section and we have to pray that the internet's friendly with us today. This is, um, this lady is, her name is Dr. Alia Crum and she's a research scientist from Harvard and she has been talking about research they've done on mindsets and just watch this little clip. So, what do you think about that? <laughs> I found it fascinating. I found it really fascinating. Romans 12.2 Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What strikes me about that is how important it is for us to really wrestle with do I really believe that God is who he says he is? that his word is not just true, but the truth? Do we know we are deeply loved, forgiven, chosen by God? Do we know who we are as his children and all that Jesus has won for us on the cross? If we do, then our lives, our actions, reactions and experience, both external and internal world, are going to line up with that belief that alignment and we will get to walk in the fullness and abundance that Jesus has promised regardless of circumstances not saying it's all going to be easy 
but we are lion and we will experience his fullness. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's going on inside will manifest outwardly. However, if that is what we believe, equally important is that we need to identify and wrestle with the beliefs we have that do not line up with the truth and root them out. Because as long as we have beliefs and mindsets that are counter the truth, we will, as James 1 says, be double-minded as the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow. That's a sobering thought. We will be stuck in struggling in our own strength, wondering why we don't see God working more in our lives. We will never get to see the breakthrough. Now, I'm not saying that we never have doubts or questions never cross our mind. Not at all. But it's what we do with them that makes the difference. Do we nurture and meditate and ruminate on them? Do we just let them quietly rumble along in the background? Oh, that's just the way I am. Not recognizing how significantly they impact our actions and reactions and how counter they run to the God's truth. Or do we recognize them and lay them out in the light of God's word, expose them to the truth so they lose their hold on our beliefs and our actions? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 This is where growth can occur. This is also how we increase our capacity, by make, how we make ourselves bigger and able to hold more of what God has for us, by laying down old patterns, ways of believing, and making room for the truth. We will never see the growth we say we want to walk in. Uh, sorry, we will never see the growth we want in our faith and walk with Jesus if we aren't willing to search out and let go of our false beliefs draw on support from our community to help us do this and make space in our hearts and our lives available for God to pour into. We won't see that growth if we're unwilling to respond with obedience to what God asks us to do, like the Shumanite widow. She could have said, no way. That's all I've got. Or will we just justify our procrastination and hold on to our safety and comfort and familiarity? but at least I've got my jug of oil. We can't do this alone. So often we don't see our own blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. We don't see, recognize our unhealthy patterns, our skewed beliefs or perspectives, and we need one another, guided by the Holy Spirit, to lovingly encourage us and lead us into all truth. And lastly, we need, like the Shumanite women, to, be, to take hold of and to be willing to offer what we do have. Be it a kind word, the gift of time, encouragement, money, teaching, serving, prophecy, prayer. We need to be willing to be vulnerable and risk sharing the little in order to see the plenty. The oil didn't flow for the widow until she started to pour. The increase didn't come until she started to pour. If we wait until we feel we have enough, 
until we, God shows us first before we're being willing to risk or commit. We'll spend our lives feeling disappointed and impoverished. So whatever area of growth we're seeking, whether it's just to grow, just growth general, deeper and closer in our relationship with Jesus and each other, my challenge is this. What about your capacity? Are you ready to be obedient? Are you making room? Are you looking at your mindsets? Are you willing to offer up what you have in order to receive them all? Do you understand that however much you think you want to grow, your heavenly Father who adores you wants it more and is waiting to pour out all his resources you need? So that was the intro. (laughs) Now we get to talk about gratitude. So what about growing in gratitude? What is thankfulness and gratitude anyway? I believe it's the quality of focusing on and appreciating the positives of what has been learned, received, or experienced, whether from pleasant or difficult circumstances. It's recognizing and valuing the good in our lives and the contribution of others to that and acknowledging it, even in the midst of challenges. It is real. Gratitude is real. And it has a powerful effect on us, on our outlook, our experience, and our mindset. Gratitude is not just words of thanks, but is attached to action and produces a whole way of reacting, of interacting with and treating others. It values others and, and is characteristic of an abundant life. It challenges a poverty mindset. Gratitude does not flow easily from the well of never enough. As we read this morning, Psalm 100, the psalmist identifies thanksgiving as a starting point for entering into God's presence and receiving all he has for us. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's what draws us towards him, how we even get a foot in the door. As we reflect on who God is, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, his beauty, his majesty. I could go on and on. And what he's done for us, sacrificed everything so that we could come into his presence. Our thanks and appreciation turn into praise and we're drawn closer closer into him. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. His goodness and his love fills us. And as we're filled up, so our gratitude and desire to express it grows. When we're unable to see God's goodness or love, it's hard for us to enter into a place to receive it. But if we can flip that around, if we can lift our eyes off our circumstances and in faith declare the goodness of God from what we've experienced in the past, from the testimony of others, from what the scriptures show us, if we can declare and give thanks and gratitude from who we know God to be, even in the midst of this rotten circumstance right now, we can shift our perspective and mindset. Our thankfulness can grow and will start to draw us closer. As I was writing this, I was reminded of when I was pregnant with Grant and um, I was probably about 52 weeks pregnant. And... uh, it was a long pregnancy. I 
I was really, really healthy through that pregnancy, but he was three weeks late. So it was Friday morning, and at that time we had Friday morning prayer at 7 o'clock in the morning. I woke up early. I couldn't get back to sleep. I thought, oh, I may as well go to prayer. So I went to prayer, and I was sitting there, and this is the first time that I really felt the Lord give me a clear picture. And I'm, you know, listening to everybody else pray and feeling a little bit sorry for myself. And I had this picture of me standing at the bottom of a funnel, and I felt the Lord whisper to me, look up. And of course, as you look up in a funnel, it opens up. And as I looked up, it was like, wow, there's a whole world out there. It's just not about me and my never-ending pregnancy. And it was just such a shift. I left there so uplifted and so encouraged. But I, you know, it, was, it was all about perspective and mindset. But this Thanksgiving, this expression of um, appreciation and gratitude, it's not only true of, of expressing it towards God, but as humans, as Mike has, again, been teaching us, it's appreciation is one of our core emotional needs. But unfortunately, it's one that we often struggle to express. So what's that about? What is it that causes us to stumble over expressing or showing gratitude? I mean, how often have you heard people expressing regret over the things they didn't say to a loved one who's passed away? I wish they knew how much they meant to me. There are probably numerous things that contribute to this, but I think that fear of vulnerability for sure is one of them. We somehow conclude, if I let you know what you mean to me, how much I appreciate what you do, that you somehow will have power over me or the ability to hurt me by withholding that. But that's exactly the point, isn't it? God created us to be relational beings, to need one another. So embracing it and expressing it, while not without risk, will bring greater intimacy and joy than we can imagine. In her research on vulnerability, Dr. Brenny Brown found some interesting connections between gratitude and joy. And so I've got, again, just a three-minute clip, Jean, if you did so well the first time. One of the other limiting factors, I think, other than that fear of the vulnerability of joy, one of the other things Brenny Brown talks about is how... um, how often it happens that we have some great joyful experience. Just, you know, it can be looking at a child sleeping peacefully, being, spending time with your grandchildren, or just a great time of connecting with a spouse. And then suddenly the worst case scenario will pop into your head. And it's like we, we try to imagine something awful because we're so afraid of the joy and that it's not going to last that we think, if I imagine what could happen first, it'll prepare me better. But it doesn't. All it does is rob us of the moment of joy. And so in, this, in our life, we will have trouble. Jesus told us, in this world you will have trouble. But he has overcome the world. Let's embrace our moments of joy and, and be thankful and grateful for what we have. One of the other limiting factors, I think, see this in workplace sometimes, is managers who will express the idea, if I tell the guys they're doing a good job, they're, they're going like, to get lazy and slack off. Right? But research has shown this is not true at all. Being appreciated, having it expressed, are huge motivators for people to work harder, to be more creative, to be more committed. 
So in a time of looking at retention productivity, gratitude is a valuable, valuable tool. They will also turn, in turn, if gratitude is expressed towards you, you are then more likely, in turn, to express gratitude to others. So you create a whole atmosphere of gratitude, a whole environment where gratitude flourishes. We all want to know that what we do, we all want to be doing something that is meaningful. And to have somebody to acknowledge that it is gives us a huge boost. But this leads us to another point. I'm grateful, but, the big but. We can sometimes wrongly conclude that if I express gratitude, I'm somehow negating some of the issues that there may be Projects that wouldn't work out, didn't work out. Skills that need improving. Problems that need resolving or correcting. So we'll give a half-hearted thanks, but with a but attached, that effectively wipes out the thanks. We all know how easily we can default to hearing the negative, even if it's served with a positive appetizer. True appreciation and gratitude can build connection and understanding in a relationship that will then make speaking into areas of growth and correction more fruitful at another time. I can't remember who the quote's from, but it goes something like, and I know you guys will be familiar with it, people don't mind you moving their dirt when they know you're looking for gold. Let people know you see their gold. So as we read in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Why is it that we sometimes have greater difficulty showing appreciation to those closest to us? As followers of Christ, we're meant to show the world how to love. But so often we struggle to. Why? Because we know those close to us better and more aware of their faults? Because, perhaps in the case of pastors or church staff, it's their job? and we pay them, therefore it's just what's expected. Or for those who volunteer regularly or have a particular role, we sometimes somehow feel that the role, sorry, that, that the title removes the need for appreciation, gratitude, or acknowledgement. But I believe there's a faulty mindset behind that, which just relates to my last point here. I think we can also get tripped up in gratitude with a poverty mindset where we've not grown sufficiently in our understanding of the vastness and generosity of our God. And our concern about, base, uh, about expressing gratitude is based on a fear of lack. We can't acknowledge this because we didn't acknowledge that. Or I might miss someone. Or I might offend someone. That appreciating you and honoring you somehow diminishes me. Whereas I believe in the kingdom that there is more than enough for all. And part of our growth is learning how to grasp and express, uh, to grasp and express that as fully as possible for others and for ourselves. To be willing and then to be willing to own and clean up our messes when they occur. Which they will occur. <laughs> Guaranteed. It's true we may overlook someone or something. But if we use this as a rationale, as a, 
this rationale as a reason to not express gratitude when due will end up trapping ourselves and risk missing out on the blessing and growth that appreciation and gratitude can bring and the fullness of what God has for us. And I'm not just talking about words spoken from the front here. I'm talking about our daily conversations, our decision-making, and the thoughtfulness of the process. Our generosity, not just to those in need, but also to those who apparently have plenty. Our recognition of effort made and presence shared. As we read in Galatians this morning, we reap what we sow. As we sow gratitude, not just in words, but in actions, starting right at home and then in our church family, we will see it flow more and more around us, to us, and then out from us to our community. And if you look at any research on gratitude, it will make this point, that the giver of gratitude benefits as much, if not more, than the one who receives it. So I have to say that as I've spent time over the past two weeks praying, reading, pondering this, um, I can certainly acknowledge where, as a leader in, in this church, I've sometimes failed to show appropriate recognition and appreciation and gratitude for those who have and do serve around Jericho Road. And in doing this right now, I'm risking. I'm risking that I'm going to miss somebody. I'm risking that um, it will, you know, might not be received. But I'm going to do this anyway, and I just preemptively ask for your forgiveness. But I also, as I, as I mention this, this I, w- I encourage you to just think about who are the people in your life that maybe you need to express some gratitude towards. One of the things I thought about as I was thinking of people I'm grateful for or things I'm grateful for, I was thinking about the hours and hours that Reg and Micron and Fred have spent walking this building over the years, fixing light bulbs, locking doors, fixing things. Hours and hours. And I'm grateful. I think of the Sunday school teachers who faithfully serve our children with very little recognition. And I think of Lynn, who stepped in to oversee their scheduling for so many years, and I'm really grateful. I think of those who serve on um, with I Am Second. That ministry meets every single week of the year except Christmas, and they are faithfully there. And I especially think of Audrey and John who have just stepped back from that ministry and I think have so beautifully loved the participants in their powerful, consistent way. And I'm grateful. I think of Amy who stepped into the bookkeeping and office position with an absolute desire to serve and do the best she possibly could for Jericho Road. Learning as she went. I think of the amazing older ladies of this congregation 
who have blessed us with their faithful, uncomplaining presence and just modeled so beautifully for us the favor of God. I think of the Chancel Guild who prayer communion for us so quietly in unseen ministry, but they do an amazing job. I think of Marianne, whose passion for creative arts and to foster a visually beautiful atmosphere as a representative of our abundant, generous God. I, I just, I'm grateful for her gift. I think of women's ministry. I think of Diana, who has walked alongside so many women, quietly in the background. Many people don't know that she does. I think of the prayer team and the hours and hours of prayer that have been spent. I think of the worship team who come up here week after week, lead us into the presence of God. I could go on and on. There's the cleaning crew and the hospitality. It's not about capturing all. But I really wanted to to do this because the Lord had laid it on my heart. We have to break through the fear of expressing gratitude because I might miss somebody out. I think of Kathy Savini who stepped in and has so meticulously managed our books for us over the last two years. I think of Charlotte who stepped into the office in a time of turmoil and transition and created a place of safety and comfort for people. I think of all the amazing artists in this family is blessed with. I think of John Edmondson who through personal loss and difficulty has persevered. He's here and he has served in the maintenance area. And then lastly, I just think of all those I've served on council with and on core leadership with. How you have loved me and grown me and challenged me. I am so very, very grateful. I thank you for being part of my journey. I thank you for being part of my family. So, are you willing to pull from your jug? Amen.